Welcome to PPR podcast number 78, brought to you by Renovation Realty. My name is Paul. To my right is... Bert. Bert. This is a guy we've been trying to get for a couple times yeah, now. Busy man. Explain to uh, everybody who our guest is. Chris Four. Uh, you can find me at chris4.org or also 8 Laces, which I got a lot of questions for you on 8 Laces. Do we call you a coach's consultant, an agent, career development, all of those principal? things? Principal? Are, are, are you a principal? All, all of the above. Yeah, I'm a principal in my day job. I am. I'm a principal uh, and, yeah, consultant to coaches and schools. So, Chris, where, where are you right now? Where are you sitting? I'm uh, sitting in my office here on a little break. Uh, I'm a principal at Mojave High School up here in Hesperia. So you're a ways away in the desert. Yes, sir. And yet you are a prominent voice in the San Diego football community. Uh, I, I met you on Twitter. And I, I just thought, yep. well, I, I want to talk to this guy one day because uh, your presence, you, you seem to be a rational voice in a sea of irrationality sometimes. And uh, I just, well, I, and that's what attracted me to you. I wanted to see, pick your brain a little bit. I think Bert would agree, right? Yes. And I have some questions for you. Well, uh, you know what? Let's just start out because I have a couple. I mean, I saw your thing, Deion Sanders. Um, you know, gets the job. I, I think everybody saw the video where he met his team for the first time with an interesting. I mean, way of doing it nowadays. I mean, his coaches. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I, what, what, what we should tell, explain people. He basically said, "Hey, uh, get leave. out. Yeah, get out. I, I got. Yeah, I got. A, I got a better team coming. Uh, basically, you come home from the bar and you tell your wife and kids, get out. I met somebody <laughs> at the bar. You got an hour to pack your stuff. So, like a kid, like at, at Cathedral, Victory Johnson, who committed to Colorado prior to Dion even being in the conversation. How is he to? How does he hear that? Yeah, I, I think it was, a, you know, I think part of the conversation I think was good that he had. He talked about, you know, this is this is a new day. But I just thought, you know, as a guy who's been not at a position like Colorado, but going in as a brand new head football coach to a group of kids. And that's what these guys are. They're kids they're student athletes. I just thought overall it was real negative. You know, it was, hey, I, you're not good enough. And and look, Colorado struggled. But is it the kids in that room? Is it their fault? Or does that fault lie on the you know shoulders of the coaches who aren't there anymore? So I just thought it was a real negative way to do things, you know, in my opinion. But I'm, I'm a principal. I'm not a Division One head football coach. So I just thought overall it was not a very good way to introduce yourself to the team. So what do you think? I mean, so going forward, I mean, you know, we're all from a generation where coaches were around 30 years. I think the only one around here now is probably Sean Doyle. Um, you know, John Carroll, Shacklett, you think of these, Herb Meyer, you think of these people. Um, and nothing against me, you get Dion, Eric Weddle just got the job at Rancho Bernardo. Is there a new kind of coach coming in now? You think we're all just seeing in front of our eyes where it's changing and it's not what it used to be? I think so. You know, Bert, I started about six years ago, uh, longer, 2015. I started documenting every head football coach change in Southern California. I defined that by the San Diego section, LA City section, and the Southern section, just over 600 high schools who play football in those three sections. And the turnover is between 14 to 22% every single year is the last seven years. And so I do think we're in a new day and age. I don't think the the old, uh, you know, Dick Haynes at Vista, Tom Pack, my mentor at Fallbrook High School, 26 years, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we're gonna see those guys moving forward. I, it's just not gonna happen. The John Carroll's the, Shacklett, as you mentioned, why? Um, it's a new. It's. 
I, I think why there's three answers, right? Number one, it's, it's administrative. Uh, honestly, you got a lot of administrators out there who do not know how to manage athletics anymore. In the old days, a lot of administrators were former coaches. And so good, bad, or indifferent on, on what administrators these days look like, but they have a very difficult time navigating uh, the pressures of parents. That takes me to reason number two, it's parents. We've got parents out there these days that are just, they have a very unrealistic expectations of a head football coach, of a head soccer coach, all coaches. Every kid's going to Division One, right? All their kids are going to Division One, um, and, and they think the coach owes them so many things. And look, these coaches, a lot of them are coaching for $3,200, $3,800. And then the third reason is, specifically to football, it's just it's become a 12-month job. And so, you know, back back in the day, I know in the 70s, Dick Haynes brought summer, quote unquote, summer football to San Diego. I talked with, again, Coach Pack a long time about that years ago where they those San Diego coaches used to get their summers off. Dick Haynes moved out here, I think, from Ohio in the 70s and started working out with his kids in the summer. And then guess what? Vista and Fallbrook, who hated each other, Coach Pack started <laughs> to have his kids work out in the summer to, to stay up. And so it, it, it's now, you know, they start throwing the ball in January. Uh, and so I think those are the three reasons we're, we're seeing that turnover. Uh, the football has gotten better, though. I mean, if you're looking look at the sophistication of passing attacks with, uh, with the advent of spring and summer ball, I mean, there's no denying that we didn't run this kind of offense back in the 70s. We, we, we didn't have the, the wherewithal. The yeah. I'm from the 80s. Or you work our 70s, 80s, and uh, 90s. Uh, we, are, we represent three decades, I'm sure. But, but the football has gotten better, hasn't it? I, I'd say yes and no. I mean, there, there's a team up here in the southern section. I can't remember now. They didn't throw a pass. Sorry, L.A. City section. They didn't throw a pass all year, and they just won a CF championship. That's San Diego State. So, <laughs> San Diego State or no? All right. Yeah, yeah. We got a college here that does that. <laughs> Has it gotten better? Yeah, we might throw the ball better. I, I would argue we don't defend the run nearly as better, and we don't run the ball nearly as better across the board these days. So Fair enough. So, I mean, we talk, when I got here, I mean, it would be unfathomable for me five years ago, Oceanside job comes up, that everybody from all over the place would be applying for that job, want that job. People aren't even really talking about it here. I mean, Oceanside, the, the demographics have changed. It's not Oceanside what we all believe anymore and I think you know Carlsbad Mission Hills obviously Cathedral and some of those you know are, are responsible for that but are you hearing a lot of interest in that job or is it just so so interest I, I think uh three or four weeks ago it seemed to be a lot of interest in that job a lot of folks asking questions about that job I know they had their second round of interviews today so from what I've heard it's down to three guys uh one out-of-state guy and yeah it's not it's not your typical big couple of names, you know, that you would really see for a job like that down there. So um, it, it is interesting to see how there was a lot of fuel on that fire a month ago. And then it's, it's kind of died out. Not a lot of excitement in the last couple of weeks for that job for, for whatever reason among coaches. Why, why can't we do what colleges do and pay coaches a living wage, a better than living wage, to do their th thing because, you know, uh, Chris, I can look back on my life 
and I'm here because of the coaches in my life, not because of any one teacher. And yet the teachers are all getting a, a, a sweet deal or a sweeter deal. Why can't we put, I mean, we, we spend money out of the budget willy-nilly. Why can't we shovel a little money towards people who actually have a more direct connection with these student-athletes? Yeah, unfortunately, here in California, it all comes down to the measurables, right? The academic measurables. So there's this thing, long story, but the California dashboard is what people look at to see if a school is having success, if those dollars are changing thing. And that dashboard is all about math and English and graduation rates and suspension rates. It's not about how a kid feels uh, about being connected to an adult. You know, as a principal, I want every single student on my campus to be connected to one adult. Wake up in the morning excited to see that adult. Like you said, for me, that adult for me was Tom Pack, our athletic director, head football coach, who played a big influence in my life. Not just him, but other coaches on my campus. I wish there was a metric for us to be able to measure those things with athletics to where lawmakers and and state superintendent, et cetera, would pour more money into athletics. It's it's really sad to see the state of affairs in high school athletics in California in many ways. And a lot of that does come down to that that investment that schools are making. It's just it's not very much, you know. So but but that's why, you know, it's it's not a metric that state lawmakers and those funding schools really, really care about. So well, I mean, but you I mean I could argue and and, and and it would be accurate, um, suspension rates are down if you're in sports because you don't want to miss the game. Grades are up because you have to have a 2-0 or a 2-5 to be eligible. I mean, these things, do they just not measure it? Well, they're measuring the entire school. They're not just measuring student athletes. But if you, but it's still a big piece. I mean, it's not, if 100 kids are on your football team, I remember I, we used to be at Hoover. It would be, if you looked at semester one as opposed to semester two, there was a big difference in GPA, yeah. big yeah. difference in suspension, discipline, everything. But I don't think anybody's really measuring it. But even a couple of 500 no, kids is, is a big block. No, you're right. And at the local level, that's what athletic directors and those admin who really care about sports, they need to be doing at the local level with their school boards to get that proper funding and get more funding allocated at the local level. Break down attendance rate. Attendance is, is an important thing. Again, yeah, suspension, one, yeah. you're right. Suspension goes down. Attendance goes up when athletes are in season. No, No doubt about it. But how many administrators really care? That's the that's the key, I think, Bert. On it is, unfortunately, you've got you've got a lot of administrators out there these days who just don't know enough and aren't passionate enough about athletics on their campus. And so, look, athletics takes a lot of time. It's a lot of capital on administrators. And, and, and you've got some who would just rather not have some sports on their campus. Uh, and that's why we're seeing, I think, at the junior college level, I heard last night about uh, another L.A. Southwest might be cutting their junior college football program. So, unfortunately, here in California, that's one of the things uh, we're seeing out there on campuses where we're seeing funding getting cut because they don't think of it and look at it uh, like you do as a coach, that, that this sport is engaging these student athletes to be here. I know, you know, a couple of years ago with all the everything being shut down, a couple of coaches down there in the section uh, did a really great job looking at some of that stati those statistics yeah. to see how athletics does impact their their kids. So wait, can I ask one more? Uh, of course. I want some it. free. So pretend I'm, I'm, I'm a paying customer, but 
I'm not paying, but my credit card got declined, and you don't know until next week. <laughs> I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of going for the Francis Parker job, and I hire you as a consultant. What are you going to tell me to look for? What should I stay away from? Well, I had a long talk with a Francis Parker AD last week, so I know exactly what they're looking for down there. And uh, no, what should I, I be I looking for? I'm saying as a coach, what should I? I mean, I have to ask the question. Yeah, what's a red flag at a school? Not just Francis Parker. I'm just saying because they're open. Yeah. I'd say that, yeah, number one, I tell coaches all the time, you got you want to be able to sit and meet with those administrators, uh, even maybe before you start to go through that process, try to get the attention of an administrator to see what is their vision. Look, our, our, our checkbooks uh, tell us what the priorities are, right? And so if, if you go into a school district where you have to fundraise for footballs, that's probably not a good place to be. You're not going to be supported at the end of the day. And so head coaches need to look at, the, the, fun, the funds available, they need to look at philosophy, you know, philosophy of field use. It's crazy. I was talking to a head coach down there in San Diego three years ago who he had finally had it. I kind of reached out, hey, why are you quitting this job? It, it, I'm, I'm tired of getting kicked off my own football field for out-of-season sports to be able to practice. And so I, that just kind of blew my mind, you know, like a soccer team gets priority over an in-season football team to use the facility. That's just that's just ridiculous. So, but again, that goes to that philosophy. So, you better have a really good talk with the the, the admin about the philosophy of sports specifically. Where does football fit into this school? Uh, so that that's a real big thing. Philosophy funding are the two major things, and then and then three. Are you going to have my back when a parent comes to you because Johnny's that's not playing? What does it really look like? Yeah, that I mean, that's the big one. But don't they all say in the initial hiring meeting or talking or the interview, yes, we'll have your back, but how many actually do at all, the end of all, the day? All it takes is uh, an accusation of misconduct. It, you pick your, pick your flavor of misconduct, and boy, how many administrators really stand up for their – it's so much easier just to cut bait. Yeah, just to bow down. And so that's where the informal – I tell coaches all the time, as they're looking at a job or even thinking about accepting a job, you better get on the phone to that last guy who, who was in that position even yeah. two guys ago to really figure that out. And then also talk to you guys. I, I tell coaches all the time, pick up the phone and get into the ears of the media because nobody knows a real situation at a local high school like the media of that paper you know, the media media people, especially sports writers, they hear a lot, and a lot of it's true. And so I, that's the other thing I tell coaches all the time to to look into uh, talking to local media about a certain job before they accept it. And I think that's the problem. I think I don't know anybody really does all that before they go somewhere. What? Well, I mean, there's only a handful of jobs now that are. Well, here's the problem. So we we had uh, you know Lincoln uh, coach on last week. You get a coach like Jason Carter. He's an OC, assistant head coach. He wants to go to another school. You automatically assume that your administration is as supportive as Lincoln's is because that's what you see yeah. every day and that's what you think. But they don't. I don't think people think to ask, is this going to be the exactly same? And, and places aren't like that. I mean, principals don't go to games. Uh, band gets practice over you before a playoff game on your own field. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. things. No, and it's what, what, we're, what I'm seeing a lot of is guys who have coached for a very short amount of time who think they're ready for a head coaching job. Now, not in this situation. You just referred to Coach Dunn's an excellent coach, but there's guys who work for bad head coaches who think, well, I'm ready. I can do it better than this guy. So they're jumping ship in a program just to go be a head coach without asking all these questions. And then in another two years, they're reaching out like, 
hey, this didn't work out. You know, they're not doing their homework before they accept these jobs. Does it get better or are we on a downward slide that's irreversible? In California, it's a really good. That, that's a good question. I think we're in a cycle, like everything's cyclical, right? And so I think, especially coming out of COVID, the last couple of years, it it should get better. And I'm hoping that there's administrators who start valuing sports a little more to engage these kids. There's no doubt, teenagers have come back different, so to speak, after being at home on the stupid homeschool on their Zoom for two years when they weren't engaged. Administrators are seeing that athletics engages kids more than anything else on campus. A, a lot of kids, a high percentage of kids. So I'm hoping it gets better at some point. But uh, the flip side is, you know, some of the decisions made way above our heads at, at the state level with funding and all that, as we talked about earlier. I, I don't know that it will necessarily get better in California where, you know, we, we can hire a coach to just coach at least maybe half the day and then teach the other half. I mean, coaches are having to coach, you know, teach five periods a day and then go coach. It's it's a tough job. I, I don't know that the treatment of uh, coaches is going to get much better. I, I know one of the questions I would ask if I was going to, I'm sure apply. Chris, apply. I'd want to know if there's a coaching period that would count as a class mm -hmm. so that you can start your day and have a, a legitimate leash. Because now a school's starting later. I, I don't want to be there until 8 o'clock at night, so I, I'd want to make sure my FIED class would be a, a football class that you can do some of your prep work and or wait, get your weightlifting out of the way. Is, there, is that, am yep. I all wet on that? Yep, no, you're, you're exactly right. And, you know, how, how does that, and what happens is that, like me, I was a special ed teacher. So if I were to become a head football coach, in most districts, nine out of 10 districts, I couldn't have that football class as, as one of my five periods I'm teaching in there during the day because now I'm teaching out of my credential area. Again, that's a state issue. So then the, the school and the district get this little red flag that you got a teacher teaching out of credential area. So there's so many little nuances like that in our state that don't help uh, administrators place coaches properly, but that's a great question. Uh, you know, what, what kind of support am I gonna have in hiring? I think one thing that's happening right now, right, is you've got 32 vacant uh, head football coach jobs in Southern California. I'm telling some principals and athletic directors, don't hire guys right now because you're hiring guys not connected to a teaching job because teaching jobs we won't know about till February or March. You're going to hire a guy to be a walk-on, and there's that's not a knock. There's some great walk-on head football coaches, but there's not a lot of great walk-on head football coaches who have been somewhere 10 years. And so we, we see this cyclical thing where ADs and principals, they, they rush into hiring a head football coach before Christmas because they want to win that press conference, <laughs> and, and they don't want kids to transfer out. But then they're hiring a guy who's a, a plumber or they're hiring a guy who works on this campus drives 20 minutes to my campus afterwards to coach, and then they're disappointed it doesn't work out after two years. So I think there's some bad hiring practices timing-wise there too that kind of puts us into this cycle of, of uh, coaching changes. Well, doesn't, I mean, that comes back to, again, because you know, if I'm teaching 18, 20 years in this district, how many, and I want this job in this district, this district's um, you know, collective bargaining says you can only transfer 10. Do you, I mean, yep. what do you do? Do you eat the eight years of your pension just to go coach there? No, you stay where you're at. And that's, and that's part of the reason you don't get yep. a lot of good coaches, I think, too, in California. Yep. 
Yep, 100%. Yeah, in Texas, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. You know, you're going to take all the years with you. In a lot of states, that's how it is. Out here, our union dominates things a lot more. A lot of people don't even know about this, you know. Here's a, a quick story. When Fallbrook won and Randy Blankenship back in 1999-2000, okay, Fallbrook's a one high school town. They met with Randy at a coach. Might be telling you too much, but they met with Randy at a coaching clinic at a hotel they slid a piece of paper over there. How much do you need? Here's what I need. They went back the next week. They changed their their teaching union contract <laughs> to meet the needs of his salary. But it's one he school. Comes yeah. In and wins, yeah, yeah. One school is yeah. easy to do. He comes in and wins the CIF championship in two years. That's a school committed to doing things the right way. Former head football coach on that uh, yeah. leading the union charge. So that stuff just doesn't happen anymore. They were also sued by another employee who came in and didn't get the same benefit. That's another side piece, but no, it is. There's a lot of districts who who limit you to only seven years. Yeah, and, and so and you're right. People don't. I mean, I, I don't interrupt you, but nobody knows that. It's I hear at Oceanside. It's like, why wouldn't Damon Baldwin go take the Oceanside job? It's because Damon Baldwin has 28 years in Ramona or whatever. That they took his Sweetwater and they whatever it was. You're going to lose 18 years of your pension if you go there. I mean, it's no, not about. Yeah, yeah. No, it, and a, a real a real world example of that is uh, Ron now, you know, who was Ron Kladnick, who was at Torrey Pines years ago. He reached out to me about coming to be special teams coordinator at Torrey Pines High School at the time. My wife and I would have loved to get back down to San Diego County. I was going to take a thirty thousand dollar pay cut because that district only brings in three years of experience. Three. Uh, no, you know, that just, that can't happen. Yeah. So, but, but that, that school district is on the coast. It's a great district. Everybody wants to be there. Supply and demand says you can only bring in three years. So, you know, next time they're going to have to hire a head football coach at Torrey Pines high school, who knows when that'll be, but you're not going to get a great candidate pool of outside guys when you can only bring in three years. And a lot of people don't understand this, this piece of hiring head coaches. Hey, can we get, just get back uh, to let you brag on something a little bit? Because uh, you, you brought up Fallbrook, and how uh, to see the little resurgence that they're experiencing. I, I, I get it that it's down a, a league or two, but still, I, I thought that was a school that was going to be a candidate for dropping its football program, and here they are playing in a section final. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's awesome just to see the resurgence of that program the last couple of years. Uh, Coach Everhart, who really you know turned things around down there, and then Coach Johnson doing an outstanding job this year to keep that ball moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm just you know Fallbrook has a long, long tradition of of proud alum, and I count me among those guys. We love seeing the Warriors have that success. That's a town that that will. I mean, they'll. When I was talking to Everhart about that job before he took it. You know, I'm like, dude, if you win here, the town closes up at five o'clock and comes down to the game. So um, that that is one of those one high school towns that will really get behind things when they're winning, doing the right th right way, doing things the right way. And so it's it's been awesome to see uh, the Warriors. You know, I'm at that age now where like a lot of friends, kids are on that team. And and, uh, you know, it, it's pretty neat to see that. Very cool. Coach Johnson, do the old napkin with a number. Dollar amount written on it, <laughs> or no? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't know. I, I wanted to ask a question because we were talking a little bit about uh, expectations, and I, I recently got a, an angry email saying that, or I oh, it's on Twitter, Instagram or something. But anyhow, the the, the point was not, maybe it was a valid point. And Chris, by all means, be uh, you know, 
you're a straight shooter, so you're not going to hurt my feelings. That our, 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 a show like ours, I don't know how familiar you are with the Prep Picture Report, but we. Oh, heck yeah. They, um, the, the feeling was that we create unreasonable expectations because we're always showcasing kids who are going on to college or their college commitments are on our air. And the, the person was complaining, you are creating false aspirations for the student athletes and their parents, which you alluded to earlier in this conversation. And I, in your view, are we guilty? Do we, how do I plead on that charge? No, because you're, you're, first of all, I do know what PPR is. Shoot, I used to coach in Orange County, lived in Oceanside for five years, and I'd race home from my games to watch that thing, okay? So, I mean, what you guys have done down there the last 20 years is just amazing. I love it. I still watch as much as I can about San Diego football through PPR. So, um, no, I, I, I don't think you are because that's not the central that's not the central focus of PPR. And that email that however they reached out to you, that's ignorant because they're focused on one little thing. You guys are showcasing so many different aspects of, uh, of high school football in San Diego County, and you have for two decades. So there are these. One of the things I don't like about some of these national um, telecasts that we see now is it's all about, like these games on ESPN, they're all about the recruiting. And that's not what you guys are. Recruiting is not the central focus of everything PPR does. So I, I think that's ignorant. I would be a straight shooter. I do get annoyed by some of these national games, like I said, where, you know, it's just all about the kids going to college. That's not who you guys are, in my opinion. So what are you, speaking of the recruiting, what, what are your thoughts on the transfer portal? I mean, I, last year was interesting. This year is just insanity to me. I mean, there's 70 Division One quarterbacks, I think, in, in the portal first day. I mean, I, I saw yes. Drake Mays at uh, North Carolina is the first round draft pick projected in the portal. I mean, what, what does this do to high school recruiting, you think, or even junior college? Well, recruiting? we're seeing it right now in high school, frankly. I mean, there's yeah. a... And junior college. It's, it's killing. It's killing high school students being able to be recruited. I mean, if, if you're, look, these coaches are making so much money, right? If you are a coach trying to turn a program around or you're a coach trying to win more games where you're at, are you going to trust 18-year-old kid graduating from Vista High School or a Boise State backup lineman, right? I mean, that's that's where we're at. And so, unfortunately, it's really limiting a lot of high school kids, even a lot of JUCO kids. I, I don't. I mean, I, I I can't. I've never been in that picture in that in that boat. And so, it's it's easy for us, I think, to sit here and say, dude fight it out but in my mind bird i'm trying to figure out you want to go fight 300 or 400 other quarterbacks for a job yeah. or want to fight it out with two on yeah. your campus so yeah. i don't get it i don't understand it but i, I don't get I yeah i don't get it either it's like i'm, I'm yeah, second they're, they're team here but i got i'm a 800th team in this portal right now well yeah. the hope yeah, is that you can negotiate your starting position though i mean that's I, I watch Wisconsin do it all the time, where where they've misfired uh, the Mertz kid. They basically, are, yeah. Uh, but but what they don't talk about is of those thousand kids in the portal, probably seven, eight hundred of them lose their scholarship and end up nowhere, or yeah. in a lower division. I, I heard last night. I don't know if it was true or not, but only forty percent of the kids in last year's portal got picked up. I mean, that's that's wild to me. Well, there was a guy last night on a, a Twitter Spaces from Washington State. He left because he didn't get the COVID shot. And so, you know, he, he didn't play, he didn't get, he started at Washington state, the 21 season and the 22 season, 
he sat on his bed. I mean, he didn't have a job. He he, he never got picked up in the portal. Yeah. So now, now he his hand was forced because his convictions, he didn't get the shot. But how many kids are like that who have nothing to do with that shot? They, they just wanted something bigger and better and, and didn't play this year. I think it'll be really interesting for somebody to do two years of data on, on this portal to hopefully help kids at the end of the day be informed by, you know, what the realistic uh, opportunities are for you out there to transfer. Yeah, because we're seeing one. I mean, we focus on five or six guys that are looking for Heisman or money or, or NIL. And those guys move around because they're going to be first-rounders anyway. But the other foul, the other 99% end up going nowhere. I mean, there's a lot of times there's a reason you don't play at the college you're at. You're not good enough. So if you go to yep. college B, I mean, granted, <laughs> you'll see the starters that are getting NIL money and they go. But, I mean, but the vast majority aren't good enough. That's, that's why freshmen sit sometimes, sophomores sit. And you only yep. start two yep. years or one year. But now it's just like if I don't start from day one and you have to guarantee I, I wonder if over time that's going to change. Uh, I, 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 listen, uh, Chris, we're keeping you longer than we all are, we're supposed to. But You always do it. I know. Uh, Chris, I could talk to you for three hours. I, I mean, I, I'm an yes. average follower of yours, so uh, just know that. By the way, do you ever get in hot water for some sometimes of your uh, opinions you put out there? I, I, you don't do anything controversial, but anytime you're out in front of something, people tend to take shots at you. Do you ever uh, get those shots? Not in the last couple of years. I, I did a couple of years ago. I did honestly, but um, not not in the last couple of years. I've tried to be a little smarter. You know, moving into an administrative role, even as an assistant principal, um, enemies, people who don't like you, they will take things out of context, but. I've tried to be a little smarter the last couple of years, to be honest with you. Well, then let me let's wrap this up. Uh, how do you talk to parents? Uh, I mean, getting parents to be have be reasonable and to be quiet. God bless my old man. He went to every sporting event I ever went to, and he was always there, sat on his hands, and you never you never plotted. He just sat there like because you never got in the game. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to cheer about? That's my All son, right. Chris. I was I was. Wait, that's. <laughs> okay, that's a lot that's better than my mom so my mom my my second day of practice at Fulbrook High in 1990 she sat there single parent my dad died when I was nine she waited for 45 minutes in the parking lot for our practice to get over and for whatever reason felt like she could go storming on the field to embarrass me in front of 60 of my buddies and went right up to Jeff Pack who was like my mentor's son to fight and argue with him about why you're making us all wait so long. Uh, so your dad was a lot better than my mom. <laughs> well, but so let's let's finish this with a message to moms and dads out there. You put on your coaching hat, put on your principal hat, whatever hat you want. What's your message? The message is your you, parents want what's best for their kid, and they think their kid is the number one draft pick. The message is sit back and let your kid be a kid. Let your kid be a kid. That's my message all the time to a lot of these parents out there in, in the athletic world. I see so many kids ran off. They've played club sports for their whole life, and then they quit when they get to high school because they never took ownership of that sport themselves. And all of a sudden, nine years of playing club softball, they quit their freshman or sophomore year because – they're not paying anymore to play, and now they're being they're 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 on the bench, and they don't love the sport. But mommy and daddy made them play all these years, 
uh, that's my number one message to parents all the time is just let your kid be a kid. Uh, there's way too many parents living vicariously through their kids. Um, I understand that temptation. I got a sophomore football player. I got a freshman girl playing volleyball. Um, I've been upset at coaches the last couple of years as my kids have played high school for various reasons. But we got to step back and just let our kids be kids. Let them fight those battles that we might not agree with. That's just I, that's the biggest shift I've seen. This is my 23rd year in education. You know, 20 years ago, parents let their kids be kids. Parents fought those battles for them. Now, if a teacher farts in the wind the wrong direction, we get an email about it from mom and dad, you know. And and at the end of the day, just let your kids be kids. On that note, we'll call it a conversation. Please stop the machines. Uh, Chris, it's been a delight. I hope we can do this again because I, I didn't even get to half my questions.